Right out in the hall, we've just received a call. We'll have to dump you all. We are Hottest 100s and Thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. And this is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. And my name's David, and I'm going to tell you about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. <laughs> Joining me, once again, the presidential skeleton... Adam Buncher. Oh, I can't remember what he says. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, just say anything. Yeah. Say whatever you want. Uh, the presidential skeleton says I won't sign the bill. I, okay, good. Good, thank you. <laughs> for reminding me, reminder skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers for that. Electric chair skeleton, Andrew McDonald. I don't know what he says. Yeah. Hey, thank you. It's <laughs> a weird thing to say when you're an electric chair skeleton. <laughs> good. Oh my God. And and a Nancy skeleton. Hello. Nathan Harrelson. <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. We made it. Top 10. Yeah. Baby. Are we ready? I'm ready. Are we ready. doing this? Yeah. Uh, I think we're actually going to do this shit. Wow reacts only. <laughs> <laughs> Pride reacts only. Pride reacts only. Grateful reacts. Great. It's always grateful reacts only. Oh, always grateful reacts. <laughs> all right. We have 10 stories to tell about 10 of the songs that were the hottest. The most popular songs with the Triple J listening audience in 1996. And we begin at number 10. This is Baby Bird with Y-O-U-R-E-G-O-R-E-G-O-U-S. I might have spelled that wrong. You I did. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that tank top you bought me You wrote your gorgeous on it You took me to your rented motor car And filmed me on the bonnet You got me to hitch my knees up And pulled my legs apart You took an Instamatic camera and pulled my sleeves around my heart Because you're gorgeous I'd do anything for you Because you're gorgeous I know you'll get me through You said my clothes were sexy Number 10 in the 1996 Hottest 100 It's Baby Bird And it's called You're Gorgeous Hey, Nathan. Yes, David. I like running ice cubes down your body. <sighs> Damn, it. <laughs> Damn it! It's never the throw you want. It's the throw I deserve. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've heard this before, at least not really? knowingly. Okay. But, wow. but, but it also sounded incredibly familiar, so maybe I just have and I, I never realised what it was. Yeah, this got okay. my longest, it's this song yeah. ever. Yeah, right. Ever. Yeah. Well, it was uh, used in an Australian ad for baby food, so maybe no, that's why. No, it was used in an Australian ad for Nurofen for children. Oh, right. This oh, music... Which is, which is a kind of food. <laughs> Yes. This yeah. music is music for babies with headaches. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But also it's about rooting. Well, yeah, yeah it's yeah. about it's this weird. kind of creepy, exploitative fashion photographer. It's, it's some like, Terry Richardson shit, hey. Well done again ads for like just being completely blind to any, you know, sense of depth or irony in a song and be like, ah, <laughs> oh, this like two-word chorus is gonna be great for this ad for Neurofem for children. Oh, yeah, there you boy. go. Baby oh, food. Boy. Baby food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Baby Bird, uh, which is... <laughs> there you go, it works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Mostly <laughs> bird, baby food. Yeah, I, I get yeah. it. No. Neurofin's a kind of bird, so. <laughs> That's a sick I believe bird. it's related to the Ibis. <laughs> baby bird is mostly the work of uh, one Stephen Jones, and he slash they have put out 18 albums. Good it's just an awful lot. And they've had like some, you know, a couple of successful singles or whatever, but this is far and away their biggest song and the only one that really landed outside of the UK. I think it's not bad though. You know, it's it's fun. Um, I think the spelling at the start is super cringy. Yeah. And like well, yeah. a brave way to start a song so terribly. But the rest of it's like it's yeah. it's fun. It's it's kind of charming, I guess. I quite like all the guitar stuff that's going on. The chorus is like a nice big I get why it would be picked up for an ad as kind of weirdly sinister as it is yeah. to market baby medicine with this song. But you know what it also is, really? It's a it's a classic, like, we're going to get married at a wedding. That's <laughs> what you do. Yep. Where else would you do it? If it's your fucking At a wedding. funeral, maybe? Four weddings and a funeral? No, but you're right, though. No, it's a, it's no, 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 it is, it is a classic, like, it, like, people get married to, I'll be watching you. It's not a yeah. lovely song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, um... Didn't uh, Love This City by the Whitlams get used for the Olympic Games? You gotta love this city, love this city. It's a story about it, like a man who kills himself at the end of it, he's kills so himself off with Sydney. Yeah, yeah. And, and the like the straw that breaks his, the camel's back for like just him just being fucked off with Sydney is them getting the Olympic Games. It dawns on him, the horror. We got the Olympic Games. And he's just like, that's it. Like, I'm, I'm done. done. And yeah. he jumps in the harbour. The, 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 the trope codifier for it has got to be Reagan using Born in the USA. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, oh, what about couples uh, having their first dance to I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For? <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> like, the title is right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is People something that... People don't pay attention to the goddamn no, song. The GD song. Um, Stephen Jones has gone on record talking about this. Um, and he said, like, it's what he meant by the song. And he's, he opens, obviously, by saying, like, I can't tell people how to interpret things, but this is what it's about. Um, it's like the idea of, like, a role reversal, because the situation he's describing is very much that fashion photographer finding someone and going, like, hey, you know, like, I want to take pictures of you. I want to you know, exploit this this beauty. You know, sure. own- yeah. Make you a star. Yeah, put you on billboard. <laughs> and, but, his, but his take on it is is to kind of, like, flip the, the roles on it to kind of distance yourself from the original thing and kind of shine a light on it and whatever. Because his background is a um, is a theatre artist and performance artist. Yeah, right. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. I can say that. And, this, and the song started as a joke. <laughs> Between friends, like a couple oh. of years ago, and then yeah, right. you know, it For just real. it somehow took off. Yeah, I oh, know it's, it's just kind of a dorky, naive, lovely kind of song. Yeah. I, like the spelling isn't great, and it's pretty simplistic, but it gets. Uh, I, I think it achieves its goal. Like it's it sounds lovely, sweet Britpop sing along, like the sunny day in Britain, suns on the Thames. Like it's just a lovely kind of song. Like, I really. Mm. I, I vibe with it. I think it works. The chorus is undeniable. The chorus yeah. is undeniable, and you can just imagine how amazing it would be. Like, and actually, I'm going to refer to a YouTube comment for this, as we often do, because this is oh, like please. the most YouTube I insist. comment of YouTube. Guys, this is this has got it all, guys. Who's um, still watching this in 2017? Yeah, 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 yeah. Apart, just below that one, you'll Your find you'll find um, this song. Always reminds me. Uh, at my local pub back in 97 when I drank my mate's pint by accident and it was loaded with speed and I was off my fucking rocker and enjoyed every bit of the day and night till the come down. Uh, 
I was 15 or 16 at the time. Great times with people who are no longer with us anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Right? That is so YouTube. He dead, right? It's it's a YouTube singularity. That's every YouTube comment in one. He just covers so much ground. There's there's a bit of endearing, ah, but you are sounding like a bit of a lyric and he fuck with, and then just like my mate died. (laughs) Journey. But if you don't think the chorus is great, like, mm. hey, drink a pipe full of speed and, like, I can see it. <laughs> but, yeah, like, purely surface value, this is, you know, it's it's simple, it's catchy, it's sweet. Uh, but, yeah, don't go any further. Like, yeah. I like what he's playing with. I think it's a, it's a fine idea for a song, that, yeah, whole, yeah. that whole role reversal thing. But it's, it's wrong to get married to and it's wrong to promote kids' medicine. Oh, yeah. Baby, baby food. Yeah. <laughs> Having, like, weird sex with, like, ice cubes and shit. It's just like... Oh yeah, I gotta get the neurofin for the baby. <laughs> <laughs> Baby's just walking around, just like I've got a fucking migraine. <laughs> God damn! At number nine, it's Weezer with El Scorcho. Public enemy, why you wanna go and do me like that? Come down on the street and dance with me. In the hottest 100, at number nine, that's El Scorcho. And Adam Bunch is here. He's a lot like me. Uh, <laughs> in that he loves this song. Yeah, hello. Yes? Okay, El Scorcho from the album Pinkerton. <laughs> this is a really, really interesting in the uh, album to study in the history of rock music for a, a couple of different reasons. Sure. So when this was originally being written, um, the original concept that Rivers Como had was for a science fiction rock opera called Songs from the Black Hole. You know what? Kind of makes perfect sense coming off the back of the material that Weezer had produced. They're playing with the whole nerd rock thing, and I think it would have been a really interesting step. But Rivers was going through not a great time. Uh, He had to have extensive leg surgery to lengthen his right leg because one leg was shorter than the other. Um, And he got laid up with some very painful physiotherapy sessions and he just you know he spent time unable to walk uh in in hospital he had heaps of painkillers at the time um and to be honest he wasn't actually doing that well with the whole dealing with being a rock star thing it was the fame you don't say i for one i'm shocked yeah so all of those things coming together meant that he wasn't so big on writing what was going to be a really big colourful, playful album. He was also studying classical composition at Harvard University at the time, um, and he discovered upon Madame Butterfly, the uh, Giancomo Puccini 1904 opera, one of the characters of which being Pinkerton. And he basically just saw a lot of parallels between himself and the character of Pinkerton at, at the time. And he was kind of began writing 
this album that was just very confessional, way, way too raw. Uh, Weezer actually, that's what, was what Pinkerton became. Um, so they produced it themselves, uh, deliberately trying to make it darker and more abrasive. And you're getting a, a lot of songs kind of written from the point of view of exactly where Comos is at the time. And so it was released and everyone was just like, the reaction was more or less, it's too real, Roy. Like people, <laughs> people didn't deal with it very well. They kind of thought like, why are you, this is just such oversharing, man. Like this is just kind of cringy. Like all the stuff that you're, that you're kind of playing with all the stuff that you're, that you're kind of bringing out. And so Rivers kind of stepped back from it immediately and felt really, really embarrassed about the album. He was just like, I, I can't believe I did that. I, you know, like I, can't I was, believe I was you've in, done this. Yeah. I can't believe I've done this. He was not, not happy with the response that, that it basically got, but it really took off in the emo scene that was slowly emerging at the time for the very reasons why people couldn't deal with it. Because there, here were this group of people that really loved this kind of honesty and this kind of emotional rawness and, and you know, just saying things kind of as they are. So, uh, you know, Sunny Day real estate fans and all those kinds of things, have, you know, like really started to, to rally around Pinkerton. And so gradually over time, its value was kind of established. In a way, it's kind of interesting that El Scorcho made it into the Hottest 100 here mm. um, because the album at the time was getting kind of mixed reviews. Though I suppose if you just took it as a single that you got Radio Play with, it's really not that far removed from some of the other stuff that you were hearing on Weezer's previous album. Like, it's a, it's a jam. Like, it is a, it is a jam of a song. It's super fun. Again, an undeniably large sing-along chorus that kind of cements everything in mm. there. And some of the ideas that he's playing with are, you know, like, a kind of playful and fun. The, the public enemy reference is daggy as hell. <laughs> but you can't say that there isn't a kind of a certain charm to it. You know, and it's just being written about being too much of a, of a shy nerd to approach a girl that you think is cute. You know, classic Rivers kind of thing. Been there. <laughs> Love the riffs. Love the big sing-along, sing-along chorus and, like, ride for the song. This, um, I remember <laughs> when we last spoke about Weezer, when we talked about, was it the Sweater song? Was that what it's called? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Undone. Yeah. yeah. Undone. I remember saying... You hated, you hated Rivers. You, you went I still don't like Weezer, but this is the exception of me. This is the one oh, right. Weezer song I ride so hard for. Yeah, I nice. Really? Gained okay. to it so big. Always loved it. The chorus <clears> is just so huge. So what does this song hell? have that the other songs don't? I think I think it's more that what this song doesn't have, which is that sense of like the presence of Rivers as this ironic, dorky, cool guy, and this yeah, one I just yeah, feel yeah. like it's just like this happened to it. Just heaps of fun. This one is just like like how stupid is it? I can't talk about it. I got to sing about it and make a record of my heart. And it's just like yeah, man. Everybody who's like a sensitive dork who wants to create art has been in that position where like you don't feel comfortable articulating your thoughts, but you feel comfortable articulating them in a. a song or a poem or a work of art or a story yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. a really relatable feeling i think and yeah. like the loose as hell riff that kind of just meanders like, <laughs> yeah. like like in the verses doesn't really go anywhere he he's his lyrics kind of weave in and out of that as well it's like almost like it's very much like ah uh, we don't really want to be here we just play it's yeah. awkward it, but yeah. it's but it's, like, it's just like whatever and then, but then like the punch in the face chorus is just so big and so much fun and like I'm a lot like you. Please be good to me. It's just such a like. It's so dumb. It's just such a smile yeah. on my face song. Like I think I've always always liked this song before I knew who Weezer were or knew anything about. Like this is a song that's been on the radio forever, and I've just like always loved it. I just think it's an absolutely excellent song. And like the double speed bridge that comes yeah. out of nowhere. So much of it is just like <laughs> paradoxical. Like ah oh, whatever. But then it's huge. And then high energy. And then whatever. Which is like, I mean like it captures the lovely. subject matter really yeah, really yeah, well. It, I, like, I think this is a brilliant song. I think what it does incredibly well is 
place you in the room with the band. Like you feel like you're hanging with them as they're basically just jamming out yeah, that's this. A good point. Like yeah. half improvised. It's just that total like, oh yeah, we're just doing whatever. It's, you know, the way that Rivers sings, like it's just, it's not that there's no effort in it. It's just that there's no formality to any of it. Like yeah, you just finished your eight hour shift of being a band and now you're just hanging out or whatever. And I guess like we're still holding up things. So we're going to just jam out this thing or whatever and have really like a really good time. Kind of feels like it's improvised because of that. Yeah. And I think that's cool. Yeah. And apart, I think apart from the huge chorus. Apart from obviously apart from the huge chorus cuz they obviously know how to sing together. Yeah. But I think just by listening like, you know, probably not for the first time, but not long into knowing this song, once you're familiar with it, you feel like you're a part of that process just by listening and singing along to it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I cool. think you feel like you're in that room. And and it's just all those little moments. Like as soon as you know it came up, and you guys both did their like oh scores, like yeah yeah yeah. True. All those moments let you be part of that process because it's so real in a way. Like it's yeah. so it's so just it's just there. It's There's just, just so many just kind of like little offhanded it. things that yeah. you get to replicate, yeah. and then you get to be part of that. Like I can't That's imagine true. how many groups of like eighteen year olds, probably mostly dudes, would go to uni or college or in school or whatever, and would bond with a new group of people because, by one of them having oh. an acoustic guitar and everyone singing along to this song and knowing all of those little details oh, that's and a sort of thing to think about and it's this weird thing where you're like perfectly replicating structurally this thing that actually has a very loose structure or feel but because you know it so well and you know all those details and you can do them so well and you can do them with other people you create the room and you create that by listening to it or playing it with other people or whatever i think this song does that so well i think part of the reason it might have done well here as opposed to other places, like it, you know, didn't get much radio play at all overseas. And I think, like, maybe that really lackadaisical melody and then, like, the double time bridge plays into that. Like, I can see why you radio stations would be like, we're not going to play this. But in Australia, where we have Custard and we have Regurgitator and bands like oh. that, why wouldn't you play this song? I think Very this fits so well into the kind of music narrative that's that's really building point. in, you know, like indie rock in Australia at this point in time. Sure. I buy all your takes. Great. <laughs> As resident uh, wizard expert in the room, David, is it oh, very fuck. uncool? That's on me now. <laughs> is, it, uh, is, it, uh, is this song considered to be uncool amongst their thing because it was a big hit? No. All right, in, good. In, like, I think it's kind of beloved. Like, yeah, I, good, yeah. Like, I, I, I don't think they're one of those bands where it's just like, oh, the singles are so passe, you know, like the mm. album cuts where it's at. Weezer have that kind of fan base where all of their singles are pretty beloved. There's something about this song that has endeared probably more than a lot of other songs from, from this era. There's that kind of looseness and, you know, when you hear it for the first time, the unpredictability as well. It's also kind of rousing and all-encompassing and endearing, uh, even though, yeah, it can also be like, oh, why don't girls like me? Which is, you know, kind of the the alma mater of Weezer, if you will. Um <laughs> It is music for for weirdos that don't know how to talk to girls. I've been a weirdo that doesn't know how to talk to girls my entire goddamn life. I'm predisposed to loving Weezer. Mm. <laughs> it's in it's in my DNA. I got I got I got I got yes, yes, we all thought it. I got awkwardness, incompetence inside my DNA. Came to you very quickly, David. <laughs> oh hello. Oh, more, more than I care to admit. <laughs> What's that piece of paper sticking out of your pocket? Can I just see that? Uh, Did you write that on the bus? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I love Weezer, I love this song. Um I also love the uh, reference to pro wrestling. Um, so yes, yes, there is one. Watching grunge right. leg drop New Jack through a press table. Johnny Grunge 
and New Jack were both wrestlers in ECW, Extreme Championship Wrestling, and they were known for incredibly graphic and violent and full-on hardcore pro wrestling. So yeah, this refers to a specific thing where uh, Johnny Grunge did a top rope leg drop onto New Jack through a table and yeah, just snapped the table in two. But yeah... Um, I bonded over uh, a friend of mine because when this came on, uh, like at a party or something it's, like that. D- are you the guy from Nathan's story? No. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. I wish. I oh, wish. It's a shame. But yeah, after the, the new Jack threw across the table, I, I, I just casually just went, ECW, ECW. And he's just like, you get what that means? I'm just like, fuck yeah, dude. I love that shit. I think and- it's semi-related to what Nathan was talking about. This. <laughs> yeah. The point was, um, yeah. El Scorcho brings people together. It yeah. really does. Yeah. It really yeah. does. So, what friends have you made through Weezer, dear listeners? <laughs> hit us up. Yeah, hit us up. <laughs> At number eight, ladies and gentlemen, the late, great Alan Ginsberg. This is the Ballad of the Skeletons. Said the presidential skeleton, I won't sign the bill. Said the speaker skeleton, yes you will. Said the representative skeleton, I object. Said the Supreme Court skeleton, what do you expect? Said the old Christ skeleton, care for the poor. Said the son of God skeleton, AIDS needs cure. Said the homophobe skeleton, gay folks suck. Said the heritage policy skeleton, blacks are out of luck. Mr. Allen Ginsberg. Something I never thought I would say. <laughs> uh, in the hottest 100, it probably continues. One of the one of the biggest surprises since Tom Jones, I would say. <laughs> uh, so yeah, number eight in the 1996 hottest 100. Blow Nathan, blow. What have we got? We have Allen Ginsberg with Paul McCartney and Philip Glass. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. With, that's insane. A music insane. video directed by Gus Van Sant. Mm. What? Like, that's nuts. Like, we talk a lot about, you know, like, vote for the band and, like, the power of a name when it comes to your voting card. But, like, on the one track, we have, like, American poet Allen Ginsberg, which, you know, most people probably know best for Howl. Yep. Incredible poem. You know, I saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by madness. We have Philip Glass, like, incredible composer. I'm going to say best known for Einstein on the Beach. You are my everything. And then we have Sir Paul McCartney from Wings. <laughs> Writer of hits like, such as Mull of Kintyre. <laughs> until until prepping for this season, I had no idea that this was here. I knew this very well because of the Hottest 100 CD. Sure. But I um, didn't know who Alan Ginsberg But even was. then, seeing it like until I actually like listened to it properly, I kind of just assumed in my head that it was some band taking his poem and making a song out of it without him, like mm. that it wouldn't actually, you know, be him. Um, so the story is Alan was visiting Paul, as you do, uh, and hanging out, and it was like, oh, I'm doing a recital tonight, and I'm looking for a musician to accompany me for Ballad of the Skeletons. Do you know anyone? And Paul was like, 
I'll do it. He's like, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Alan, but I'm actually a <laughs> yeah. Which, I, like, I know we're mates socially. But... <laughs> I was in a band once. <laughs> we, but that's we, like... we wrote a theme song to a James Bond movie. <laughs> I wrote Ball of Kintyre. Yeah. Everything about the story is just wild. And then so they did it and it went well. And I guess they were like, let's get old mate Phil to, you know, do some keyboard stuff and we'll package it up and send it out. And I, I see it more as just like a... A love letter to Ginsburg, really. Yeah, like, yeah, that's, just... that's pretty fair. Because he was 70 years old. That's right. Less than a year to live when this came out. He was out. in pretty it bad health. Bad yeah, health, yeah. yeah. You can hear it in his voice, how much fun he's having yeah. doing this. And, like, he, there are things at the time talking about how giddy he was to be working with Paul McCartney. Yeah. Like, he was just, he was, he's so excited to be doing this. Like, I like this the idea that that was him. probably mutual as well. Like, oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, of course it was. Like, you yeah. know, it, it, I think this was a project born out of mutual respect for yeah. everyone involved. Yeah. Because and it's one of those cool things like when your faves love your faves like because Ginsburg as acclaimed as he was and is like he's, he did testify in front of court for his just for writing a poem he was a gay yeah. man in the 50s like yeah. a, he, had, he was discriminated against at a hard life and like the idea of being a rock star is appealing to anybody and the idea of working with one of the Beatles is appealing to anybody. So, of course, you're going to fucking do it. Yeah. The idea of being the oldest entrant into the Hottest 100 ever and one of the only uh, 70-year-olds beside Tony Bennett to ever be played on MTV. Great. Wow. And this, and this, And the best thing about it was this, this came out really close to election time. Um, and so it went off. Like, yeah. that was part of the reason okay. why... The youth in America, like MTV, saw an opportunity for their for their programming and for their broadcasting of this in relation to the to the U.S. election, and it's like, oh, cool. Honestly, like it's beside the point whether or not this is enjoyable to listen. Well, to. that's it, isn't yeah. it? It's yeah. just like it, it doesn't matter. It's it like, feels reductive we, to be like as much as we, 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 we've waxed lyrical a few times about how the nature of the Hot 100 has changed or not changed over the years, and what would and what wouldn't be accepted. But it's pretty inconceivable to imagine a present day countdown where like an esoteric 70-year-old writes a poem and then it's a spoken word thing with some simple blues guitar and that getting in the top 10. Yeah. Like... Number eight. Number eight. Like, it's, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Deej. The poem's hardly Ginsburg's best work, obviously. I think it works but, a lot better on paper. Yeah. And it's also that kind of thing where that sort of poem, when you put a beat to it, it kind of becomes a little bit pantomime And he has to work a beat around with... Like, music accompanying poetry, for my money, is much better when it's not, like, you know, beat. very beat-driven. Yeah, true. And the music is following the poem rather than the poem. It's like, poem. I guess I have to go... Said the speaker skeleton, yes, you will. Like, that yeah. kind of stuff is a little bit cringy. It, it doesn't fucking matter because it's Alan Ginsberg in the Horse 100 top 10. It yeah. doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. That is, that is ridiculously good. That's a miracle. Like, <laughs> really? Like, yeah. 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 It's, it's yeah. kind of like, you know, musically, like, there, you know, there are a couple of nice moments or whatever, but that could really be anyone playing guitar. Oh, yeah. And anyone playing keyboards. It's like, important that it's not, though. Like, it is. It's it so is. Cool. But, like, just like in terms of if you were going to try and talk about this as a song. No, it's yeah. like it, well, no, it, doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't really, you know, that, no. nothing's happening there. It's just like a blues riff, like that goes for the whole thing, and that's it. You know, we said a lot of really cool stuff about uh, the Triple J Hottest One Hundred being a cultural countdown or a, or a thing that can preserve a snapshot of culture at the time when we talked about phenomena, uh, <laughs> <laughs> skin, the Muppets. You know. The same countdown that features the Muppets features a seventy-year-old yeah. Allen Ginsberg, mm. yeah. and basically it's a lot of the stuff that we said about the, the Muppets can apply. <laughs> if this song being in the countdown or being popular, if it made one kid find hell, then it was a success. Yeah, yeah. true thing. True big thing. Big time. Big time. 
Um, and but also like I think there's a, there's there's enough in the kind of Ballad of the Skeletons as well. Like it's it's really playing with that. Uh, Day of the Dead, viewing every, putting everyone as a skeleton, yeah. kind of reducing yes. everyone, the carnivalesque kind of thing where you you just put everyone on the same level. Yeah, um, it's it's fully not like this guy is the bad guy and this guy is this. No, it's you're just all the way skeletons. it is, yeah. guys. Yeah. And like for Ginsburg to be like like to be like oh like to to put I guess politicians. Pot smokers, junkies, and stuff like that in the same basket. Like he's like, in, 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 at the end of your life, you probably view the world in that particular way, which is a which is a wonderful kind of you know yeah. statement. Considering that you know this is the end of the end of Ginsburg's life, mm. and this is kind of like one of one of his probably one of his final public absolutely kind of yeah. appearances, mm. and final been. public kind of statements to have. Yeah, and it's one his that's... last hit single. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. And for it to have such an acceptance and a, and a bit of you know like a reminder of death and memento mori in there as well, like it's um. Yeah, I, there's a lot, culturally speaking, a lot mm. to love, even if, like, musically, it's not going to blow you away. Yeah. I had this, um, yeah, I had the Hottest 100 CDs. So I, I know this song really, really well, and, yeah, obviously at the time I had no clue who Allen Ginsberg was. I just thought this was a very funny, very peculiar, very interesting song from a very peculiar and very interesting man, as I would, I would come to find. you got to remember, this is, like, one of the defining poets of... Uh, his generation of any generation, you one know? of the defining figures of the beat generation. Yeah, hundred well, like, percent. You know, yeah. culture, very cultural in, icon, very very influential to people like Bob Dylan and people like Patti Smith. And stuff he worked like. with Dylan. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And yeah, I, I love the, that impact. And yeah, I've had a chance to read a lot of Ginsburg's stuff over the years. And yeah, I I find him to be a a really interesting and unique figure in terms of the way he would write and the way he would think and the way he would talk and the way that he would present imagery. And like a lot of times he'd be very confronting, but just would be fearless in that and just like not back down whatsoever. I really like the playfulness of this song and, you know, kind of the sarcasm that comes with it. Uh, but also... Some of the shit that he says, it just gets away with it because he's saying it from the perspective of someone else. You know, like yeah, the homophobe yeah. and the heritage policy. And, you know, like in the uh, in the uncensored version, it gets even darker and even weirder and even heavier. And I love that version. I would have loved that version to get in. But uh, I think the radio... But the friendly- poem's really long. Yeah. Like, it's, mm. it's a lot longer than the choice verses that he selects. Yeah. <laughs> what would be played in the in the countdown. Yeah. But, yeah, the fact this got in is, yeah so weird and so fascinating and so cool and i don't think we'll get anything quite like this again until william shatner (laughs) so until then the two great beat poets (laughs) oh shit lots going down it's about to get real fucking wild up in here isn't it oh we still got the dayglow one from last time so oh i know that that's that's breathe that's breathe by the prodigy number seven in the 1996 Hottest 100. You're going to have to crank that for me. Crank that nice and loud.
Prodigy at number seven in the 1996 Hottest 100. That's a song called. That's its full title. (laughs) (laughs) Mac, uh, you've wandered the fat of the land. You've raved to the grave. Breathe the pressure, if you would. I feel not that they're that similar in songs, but I feel like we could almost take what we raved about when we talked about Firestarter. Yeah, like this is also just an absolutely perfect jam. I like the use of the yeah. word rave in that sense as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, Double meaning, yeah. very, very like, good. <laughs> the punk ethos is still here, yep. but like less present in the Sonics, but just in the anger and the energy. Keith's like kind of whinging moans that he like drones on that have been slightly modified in the things, punctuated by like Maxim doing the like, "You're the victim." Like the Wu Tang Sword sample as well. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Like it's just more of the prodigy being the best. Yeah, like, yeah. It's just that big beat, high energy. Just like obviously that the, the actual, I guess, the riff. It's is, so bouncy. It's got such a mad bounce. Yeah, right. so, like, the very it's first it, one. Yeah. It's just yeah. like it's nothing but hype. Yeah, it's like, oh, right, yeah, right. Oh, we're it's doing, going we're down. Doing. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's and again, it's coming back to what I've said about the prodigy before. They just have a way of selecting that one hooky bit of melody. And then it's just like, bam, that's it. We're gonna everything mm. is constructed around that, and it's just perfect. Yeah, like, it's real. Like I guess the sound of that riff, as much as it's hooky and accessible to enjoy, but it's also so like not in a dorky like this is not for you, mum and dad, but just in a way that's like dangerous. Kind of, it's real. Like this is the new sound. Enjoy it or fuck off. Because like, it is still yeah, like they don't give a fuck if you like it. Basically, like I'm not sure if I preferred this to Firestarter. I think I probably do. Like I think, I think it's, this ooh. is probably my favorite prodigy song. There's a real reason for that, for that argument, right? It's yeah. just like it's, it's like of the big four. I think this is probably their mm. their, their best. Well, this was their biggest hit. We had that question yeah. when, we, when we talked about Firestarter, but since then I've kind of discovered that yeah, Breathe was a bigger song for the band. Hence yeah. why it reflects a higher chart position, I guess. I don't have very many words to say from it that aren't just like, holy fuck, I love this song. I fucking love the project. Yeah, I fucking just, love just, yeah. just yeah. a lot of screaming. <laughs> yeah, a lot of shirtless just, yes, screaming. This song, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, great, yes. Everything else fuck! just kind of seems rather superfluous to that. Like, it's just, it's just like, that's all there is for me yeah. when it comes to this. Like, normally I've got, even if the shit that I like, I've got miles of things to say. I've got take upon take, and here it's just not. It's just like, fucking listen to it. It's so sick. I think, I mean, not to disagree with that because no, uh, yeah like that it's, give, give me the words that i don't have Nathan, well i please. think there's a real elegance to the arrangement as well like there's so many pieces thrown in there and so many like little vocal snatches of phrases and stuff but like they're just laid out so elegantly it's all part of one sort of fluid idea that just shifts between different modes of aggression true i think that's amazing i think mm. as well i love that not unlike setting sun by chemical brothers that we talked about a few weeks ago it has this middle part that just sort of completely drops away, but they serve completely different functions. Whereas I think in in Setting Sun, you know, which is all this sort of frantic anxiety happening around you and then the floor drops away and you're left just, you know, your stomach is just lurching. Yeah. Because breathe comes from inside right from the first rift. It's like in it's like a it's huh. a hype from inside you. I like that a lot. And I think when the you know the middle bit where it just sort of pulls away, that's like You've thrown a few, uh, you know, a few punches or whatever, and you're catching your breath, and you're wide-eyed, and you're panting, and you're staring, and you're just about to go back in again. Like it's again, it's just that rage coming from inside, as opposed to Chemical Brothers is like outside on top of you. But this is all like, yeah, it's that it's aggressive a, yeah. sneer they do so well. But it all comes from inside you. It's mm. not. It's just, just like, swipe. oh god, I am the violent one. I had no idea until I listened to this Prodigy song. I saw these bodies around me. Yeah, yeah, people yeah, are yeah, just exactly. leveled. The, the bodies you know, have hit the floor. Yeah. 
Sim. Breathe finishes and you look around and you're like, shit, did I just kill everybody? Yeah. That's not red day glow. That's that, that <laughs> is blood. That is blood. <laughs> but it's still just yeah. like, it's so perfectly well crafted and clean and elegant. Like you can see why it was successful like why yeah. it was a like successful like, pop hit and enduring like yeah, successful and enduring. like it yeah, still it's sounds fresh think, hey, this was on the radio yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, like this like, was a popular up, we got, song we got the spice girls we got the backstreet boys and we're gonna play the fucking prodigy yeah, yeah. why not it's just a, a small thing but i i really get down with just them saying them going breathe with me it's just like this is breathe with me. this is just cool whatever <laughs> yeah it just, like, yeah. it just it just it just yeah. fucking bangs. It does feel yeah. yeah. it, It's got all the the calling cards of being like an absolute like club bank, just something you can drop on the decks and everyone will lose their fucking mind. But it also has the energy of a live band. What is that even played on? Like the riff? Yeah, the band. I, pre- I, I presume it's a keyboard, but that's just because they're a band. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's just it could be it could be like a because it's, it, it's a bass or something fed yeah, through a lot of yeah, yeah yeah it just sounds like a it's kind it's, of got a, I would the love, bounce love to know I the would bounce really of it yeah, kind of makes it feel like it's the acoustic guitar is like most sinister sounding acoustic guitar chords that have ever existed ever it's like an El Dorado where it's just like yeah it's just it's just like metal as hell yeah 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 it's Burzum doing that like it's just when Buzz Lightyear goes Spanish except it's Burzum as Buzz Lightyear yeah Burzum as Buzz Lightyear that's the episode Beautiful. title yeah. right there. Birds like you. <laughs> also, like shouts out. Speaking of speaking of badass motherfuckers, shouts out to Michael Van Gerwen, the uh, 2012 PDC World Darts Champion, for having this as his walk on music. Great. I, I also have darts? that written down because yeah. it's like that's the darts. only thing that is in the Wikipedia darts. entry for popular culture of this yeah. song. Like that's the only thing deemed, you know. You. you all the other Wikipedia darts player Holy knows. Shit, this would have been used in a movie, exactly, or a fucking TV show, uh-huh. or some uh-huh. shit. It nah. was used in a Tui's new ad. Um, yeah, hey, but no, 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 no. This this drops. All the other darts players know exactly what time it is. Yeah, <laughs> watch Michael out. Van Gerwen. Michael Van Gerwen is coming in. And he's yeah. playing for keeps. Well, well, only up until motherfuckers. Only until the 2012 championships. After that, did he, re- did he, he retire? Or, or did music? he retire the song? One of them is fine. One is like, you're fucked up, Gerwin. Yeah. <laughs> Too yeah, tame. Yeah, yeah, something heavier. Meshuggah. <laughs> Darts players have walk-on themes. Terrible. <laughs> so hectic. <laughs> At number six, I have to say it again, it's Powderfinger. This is Pick You Up.
finger in the hottest 100 shocker uh and number six uh that was a song called pick you up which was a single from the double allergic album as we've talked about i think this is a really really special song i honestly think this is probably in my top five powder finger songs like things that they ever made ever worked on to me this is kind of like their everybody hurts this is just one of those songs that doesn't really kind of belong to them anymore as simple as that message is, I'll be the one to pick you up again when you decide you've had enough of it. When you're set to throw in your hands, when when you feel far from home, all of that sort of stuff. I think that's just so inherently relatable. And I think there's a real emotional conviction that comes with this song. Like having that kind of drawback in the dynamics while those words are hitting and then to really drive it home in that chorus... I just find that really, really wonderful. I, I love the way this sounds. I've I've always loved this song. Like I remember hearing this song for the first time when I was about eight years old. We've talked about Powderfinger being kind of very naff and you know very, very just awkward Australian and uncool and just an obvious choice for literally being my uncle's favorite band. You know, <laughs> like they fit the description to a T. But they've made genuinely moving and really powerful and beautiful music uh, at, at points in their career. And I think Pick You Up is right up there at the top of that. Yeah, I know it's a little cliche. I know it's a little, like, naff. But, like, they've always leaned into that. You know, they've never been a kind of band that has pretended to be anything but they're not. Like, maybe maybe later on they might have gotten too big for their britches and, like, just made songs that they thought were going to be massive and connect with people, but really didn't. Like, at this early period where they had a little less to prove, I, I, I feel like, ironically enough, they were able to prove a lot. And I, I really, really get a lot out of this song. Like, uh, revisiting it and reminding me, like, what I loved about this song to begin with, like, was a, a really cool experience. I've been in both positions, you know? Like, I have been, you know, set to throw in my hand, you know? Like, I've had people that have been there for me when I've just wanted to, you know, just fucking just quit everything and, and never fucking pursue anything that I love again. But I've also seen other friends of mine in that position as well, where they've just, you know, had all this shit happen to them and they're just like, why do I even bother? And I, I've had to... Not, not had to, but I've wanted to, you know, be the one to be like, you know, you, you can get through this. I know you can. Like, I, I've, I've seen what you do and I think it's so important. Maybe it's just that that kind of sells the song for me. Like, just that, that sentiment and that idea is what really drives this song for me. So, yeah. I think this is the song you write if you want to make yourself the biggest band in the country. You write this yeah. song. Because it's, okay. exact, it's, it's exactly what you said about the relatability of it. Yeah. I, I feel like this song pushes them out in front of the rest of, you know, the Australian 90s rock bands as something that, yeah. like, is special and has the potential to become something much more, I think. Because this was the first single off Double Alert. That's right. It and was, it's, yeah. And also, like, um, this is only beaten by one other Australian song in this countdown. Yeah. You know what I mean? So this is a very big... Yeah, I think this is this, this is the one that broke them. This put them. This is a real statement for them. Absolutely, they are connecting to you know in the way that beautiful pop writers do that accessibility, but it's done with like a true sentimentality that speaks honestly uh, and connects to people. 
you get the tone very clearly. As soon as the guitar kicks in, you feel that comfort. You yeah. feel you feel that understanding. So let's take the let's take the song as if it were a conversation with someone who was discouraged. Right, the verse is listening, lending their ear to the problems that the that the listener is going to have, but the chorus is then speaking, and the chorus is the you know it's the triumphant. Yeah, you can do it. No, you can do it. Like I've heard what you just said, but guess what? That's not enough. You're going to go out there and you're going to go prove them wrong. Yeah. And I think musically they communicate that really well. The riff in the chorus is uh, like it's kind of weird on its own. Like it's a strange riff to think that someone came up with that in the in the studio on its own. Yeah, it fits really wonderfully texturally with the rest of the song at that time. But it's kind of a weird one to kind of focus mm. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't hear it and go like, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. But maybe like most of this, you know, like Bernald came in with like half the song formed or whatever. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, Bernald. This is one of the, those Powderfing songs that Bernald actually does play guitar on. So yeah, there, yeah. there are three guitar band in in this instance. And so maybe yeah, that was that layer is sort of added once most of the other parts are fairly well formed. And maybe so. so. It yep. Sounds completely. Weird in isolation, but with everything else, yeah. I think the strength is just the breadth, the relatability, and the and the sentimentality that isn't ever off-putting because everyone, you know, like it, there's a universality to it, it, and it's the right mix of um of kind of like nasty and nice that you want in a rock song. Like it's not it's not wimpy. It's yeah. still got teeth. Yeah, but it's you know like I the, really like that. Even though this was the first single, we got to talk about Living Type and DAF first because I yeah. think this has kind of elements about what made both of those songs good and sort of together like there's a real tenderness to this that was also in living type and then that big chorus particularly at the end where where bernald goes it into goes the higher, higher register yeah, it's, awesome. it's just like whoa it's just such a, like a big confident rock song you're like yeah cool yeah. like powderfinger i'm on board I wish I enjoyed it like you guys <laughs> It's not bad. I'm not, I'm not going to be mean to it. No. I just think that, <laughs> no, like... please do. No, but I, I don't hate it. Like, I just, like... Everyone knows this song. It's one of their biggest early hits. Like, yeah, yeah. And, like, like again, the chorus does work in that way that Byrne knows really, really well how to do. He knows exactly how to write those big powderfinger choruses. Um, and the ending one in particular, of course. And it has all the, the trademarks of a successful Powderfinger song. It's a, it, I can tell that it's a successful Powderfinger song, not just successful in terms of commercial or acclaimed, in terms of like trying to like objectively look at the song in terms of Powderfinger-style songs. Yep. It's, a, it's objectively a good one. Powderfinger just aren't for me. I, I, I can't sure. master the energy to love it. Like, I, Even just, when they're this broad and they're... It just, or maybe what, because they're it, this broad? Or? It washes over me. Yeah, like, right. I, I, I obviously listen to these songs a bunch of times in prep for this, and I just like, each time I was just like, oh, yeah. Like, just, like nothing about this sounds to me like the band want to be making this music. It just sounds huh. really, really like plain ice cream. Thing, not vanilla, plain. Um, yeah, like yeah. just nothing there. original. <laughs> just like and like and like the the amount that you will connect it with it. Like I know that I'm in the minority here, and it sucks. And not in a way that I think I'm better than Powderfinger fans, but in the way that it sucks badly because people have this connection. And I just I, I don't get it. Like no, but hook, I get your the, I get the, you the, saying the hook that. bounces off me. I, I, it doesn't pierce me at all. And I wish that there was something there that I could enjoy. No, it just, it just yeah. doesn't work for me. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, like I guess for me, like my comments were more kind of like going like this is what the song does and i can really clearly see that yeah, definitely, i can really yeah. kind of see in a in an objective and and broadway why it would be successful but like i like it enough but i don't know i don't go wild for it yeah. i would never think to put it on i never think to put any powder finger yeah on. i see i, like I, I don't think i would put think to put it on either but when i'm in the presence of it i you know i, I react favorably to mm. it i guess if i was going to put any on it would be this that's kind of the mm. that's kind of the, the takeaway For the third and final time in 1996, we get to talk to you about the bush. Joined by a beautiful string quartet, it is... What? 
Oh, oh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. Uh, this is Bush with Glycerine. This one as well. Once again, number five in the 1996 Hottest 100 with the beautiful Gavin Rossdale ballad known as Glycerine. It could have been easier on you, but it could have also been easier on Andrew McDonald. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Could post-grunge as a feeling be more purely articulated? Like, there's four guitar chords... One like dude, sexy voice. Putting that, <laughs> oh, putting that oh, on, and the guitar like, tone too. It's the not tone, an acoustic, yeah. yeah. Some like noodling a little bit here and there, and then fucking strings. Like <laughs> the checklist is so heavily filled in, they've burned through the carbon yeah. copy behind it. This, yeah. this is so goddamn on Gavin's sleeve that it feels like <laughs> bullying to call the lyrics out. Like, <laughs> Now he would have been he would he would have been broing so hard that he wouldn't have had a sleeve. He would yeah. he would have gone sleeveless. Yeah, sleeveless polo shirt. Yeah. yeah. Um like so you can see his sexy tats yeah. up the arms. I sleeveless do. polo shirt. Like a vest but with a polo neck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. I no. make one. No, no. I would not allow this. What doesn't feel like bullying, of course, is Yella is calling out his over the top glycerine. Le- glycerine. Yeah. Um, but like, whatever this song is, it's done incredibly well. Uh-huh. It's it's post grunge articulated in the way that I think the genre could have gone without like having a band stuff like that. Just having guitar and strings is like, look, we've expanded the grunge repertoire. Like, <laughs> chamber um, grunge, yeah, chamber grunge. <laughs> um, the genre we're dying to need to have as a society. Yeah. yeah. So what is it? What is it? What's chamber grunge? Oh, you know, glycerine. Yeah, it's all like that. <laughs> um, God. Like, and I like. <laughs> good. Just imagine like a forty-five minute album of this style of music. This stuff, like, yeah. oh god, that would not sustain. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so over the top and like relationship breaky uppy kind of thing. And like, the lyrics aren't great, but like, no, but I think um, no. I needed you more. You wanted us less. I could not kiss. Just regress. It might just be clear, simple, and plain. Well, that's just fine. That's just one of my names. One of my like, names. <laughs> I don't know. It's <laughs> like, it's it's not poetry. There's something there. Like, it works for. Every, oh, you're like, defending those lines. Yes, because like, okay, because it suits the over the top nature of the guitar and the strings yeah. and the sweeping like 
it's so emotional, but like, it's like, dude, bro, doesn't know how to be emotional. Yeah. Still got to have like, and like, that's why the lyrics are so over the top. So there's something about like the tones specifically in this song, like that guitar being played so softly, but still being overdriven. Yeah. It's the same thing that Gavin's doing with his voice. Like there's and a the words. Str- there's a strain, <laughs> even though he's sort of singing quietly. Like it's a soft thing, a soft song, but strained. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so just, I, I think you like, say the lyrics are like soft lyrics, but strained. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a stage whisper. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yes. <laughs> but I... Glycerine. But it, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the exception when he actually glycerines. Yeah, of course, like, <laughs> when he glycerines. <laughs> yeah, but it's just something about like those tones. I, I spent a while thinking, and then obviously with like then those you know beautifully clear strings coming in over the top. Sorry, Adam. No, that's okay. You could take all the parts of this song and give it to any other band, and it would sound so completely different because it's not about what they're doing; it's how they're doing it. Yeah, with this kind of. Half sensitive, half like macho dude straining, like they're trying to have like a you know a foot in both worlds, and mm. it's just I, I'm not gonna say it doesn't work because here we are. Mm. But, <laughs> but what, I, what, I, what I what I will rate the song as is what what is on the on the YouTube page is comments are disabled for this video out of ten. <laughs> It's, it's too, too pure. It's, it's too pure. Too pure. It's, it's too pure, pure for this world. It's too pure for this world. I'm so world. sorry. I shouldn't have made a comment. <laughs> yeah, Adam, David, my new, <laughs> my new bush friend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. fucking hell. We've talked about this in the past. The idea of alternative rock and grunge acts from, I guess, this era that have. A very distinct sound, and then we'll do a song that is out of character, and that song will become their biggest hit. It is fucking strange to think that, you know, this kind of restrained, baroque, (laughs) um, four-chord song is Bush's best-known hit when they've spent most of their career making not that. But may I say on that, that... We had a question a little while ago in relation to if Bush isn't imitating Nirvana, what are they? I don't think this is a Nirvana imitation. No. I think this, no, this is, is the them answer. Kind of, yeah, the kind this of explored territories in sound. This is chamber grunge. <laughs> Mm. Is, is or at the very least, proto-chamber grunge. Proto-chamber grunge. It's what this song is. Is what is as close as Bush gets to being truly Bush, I think. And I think it makes a degree of sense that this is also their most popular and biggest song. I want to put forward the idea that doing something original is not the closest they've been <laughs> to being Bush. <laughs> it is the furthest they have strayed. It's antithetical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, is, this is the non-Bush. Uh, yeah. this, this is the city. <laughs> <laughs> they, okay. they push past okay. the not-Bush city limits. <laughs> oh, God. Wrong and right doesn't factor into it when you talk about Bush, maybe. <laughs> exactly, yeah. 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 Comments are disabled. Comments are yeah. <laughs> what am I going to say? Comments are disabled. Yeah, like what can you say? Like it's just obviously some of the some of the lyrics are a bit on the nose or whatever. But like you know, that's again, it's a Weezer kind of thing. You know, it's a it's a product of its time. And you remember the kind of the age that old, old Gavlos was at the time. You know, and and like breaking up with his misses. Like yeah, yeah, the- yeah. Nothing but love for this track. You accept it for its flaws and you just appreciate the, the greatness of the Rossdale, really. You get the gift of the Gav and you just you just roll with it, really. 
it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. What was the first Bush song we spoke about? Everything's Zen. Yeah, if you, if you, everything's Zen. What was the one from um, Razorblade Suitcase that we spoke about? Oh, uh, Swallowed. Swallow. Oh, right, yeah. Because I wanted to say, um, if you can't handle me at my Swallowed, you don't deserve me at my Glycerine. <laughs> <laughs> It was fucking worth a build-up. Jesus yeah. fucking Christ. <laughs> Shut it down. Next track. <laughs> Comments are disabled. Comments are disabled. Comments, are, disabled. Comments are officially disabled. <laughs> and number four. It's the butthole surface. This is... Surfers making their debut in the hottest 100. What a result. Number four. <laughs> Number four yeah. in the 1996 hottest 100 with the song Pepper. Adam, um, are, you, are, you, are you Sharon Sharon's outlet on the, on the topic of Pepper? Uh, I'm sorry? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, Marky got with Sharon and Sharon got Sheree and she yep. was Sharon Sharon's outlet on the topic of disease. Uh, uh, and Bobby had a... Facial scar and so this is you making good on the promise that you can actually rap every yeah. word yeah. of. Uh... They were all in love with Diane. They were doing it in Texas. <laughs> yes, the butthole surfers, or as they were known at the time, the BH surfers. Because oh yeah, because the B hole, <laughs> the B hole boys. <laughs> this this was a band that like couldn't get their name said on radio oh, in numerous I, radio stations. Such a big swear, and, yeah. and and because and they couldn't get their name at the front of clubs that they were playing because people just didn't want to write it. <laughs> I, like, and I yet, it's a pretty dumb bear name, but I admire their stick to itiveness. For maintaining it, in spite of the fact they can't get any gigs on radio play. Yeah. Well, with since nineteen eighty one. Well, no, but here's the thing, right? They still got a number one. This song went to number one, and it was absolutely massive, despite the fact that they couldn't even say the name of the band properly on the radio. Also, on the band's name, uh, they never really properly chose Butthole Surfers. Um, they went through numerous aliases uh, previously, as Nathan said. They've been around since eighty one. Like they've been around for a long time and they had a real cult following. So some of the names that people would have known them uh, by are The Dick Clark Five, Nine Centimeter Worm Makes Own Food, The Vodka Family Winstons, Ashtray Baby Heads, Fred Astaire's Asshole, The Right to Eat Fred Astaire's Asshole, and The Inalienable Right to Eat Fred Astaire's Asshole. Um, God damn. But someone introduced them as butthole surfers incorrectly one time while playing a gig based on... (laughs) (laughs) 
It's one of their songs. I'll just screw that one up, fellas. <laughs> they, they I'd have a... called them butthole surface. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the chess losses. Also, who introduces bands? Bands just get up and play. <laughs> Not in 81. Um, oh, all right, fair, fair. Different fair. time. Things don't change. Ladies and gentlemen, the Rolling Stones. Sorry, the butthole surface. <laughs> well, they had, a, they had a song called Butthole Surfer, and they think that's where the confusion ah, came. Like you do. So, uh, these guys got started, um, Haynes and Leary, the two kind of, your classic, uh, Fox and Gimble for, <laughs> for the butthole surfers. I'm Detective Fox and Gimble! So they were doing a bunch of weird stuff, uh, back in the day, such as, uh, publishing magazines called Strange VD, which featured photos of abnormal medical ailments with, uh, ficti- fictitious humorous explanations for the diseases. Yeah, they, they seem like they're, like, culture they, jammers. Yeah, like, they, mm. they, uh, they made clothing em- emblazoned with Lee Harvey Oswald's image. A big driving force for the band actually getting started was one of them was working as, like, a lawyer or something, and they got caught with one of these magazines that he made with the diseases and the descriptions at work, and they're like, well... You're fired. Like, this yeah. is, you're, oh, you're fucked. You're just not working here. You're, it's you're, for a case. Yeah. <laughs> they, they've been going around since the early 80s and had a really strong cult following. Kurt and Courtney actually met at a butthole surface gig. There you that's, go. That's happened. Kurt Cobain. I knew Kurt was a fan. Big yeah. time, big time fan. He lists them uh, in one of his uh, diary entries where he talks about these are the greatest albums ever made, butthole surface make it in there. The Nirvana fans would have, at this point, yeah, would would like that would have been that yeah. kind of material is released around now. It's not. It's not too weird to say that. I don't know for mm. sure, but it's potent. Like potentially, there's a signal boost there. There's a bit of a bump, um, but also, but also, like we can't say that for sure because this song was also just massive. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a really, really big song. Um, just another weird piece of trivia while we're in, in that kind of territory. While in San Francisco at the end of the tour and without a place to live. The band collectively decided to move to uh, a small town outside of Georgia where they made a hobby of stalking the members of REM. Here's um, me! <laughs> Hi, guys! At one point, they planned to leave a parked van in front of Michael Stipe's house with Michael Stipe, despite the hype, I still want to suck your big long pipe painted on the side. I'm getting that tattoo! <laughs> that is. On my throat! <laughs> Yeah, that, that is wild. Yeah. So at this time, they've signed to a major label. So it's a weird time for the band because a lot of the people who knew and loved the Butthole Surfers previously um, were kind of like, you, you know, accusing them of sellouts at the same time as they were finding the success. And they just basically said, like, look, man, Capitol Records comes to us and they gives us a, give us a check for a lot of money. Like, we don't have to stalk Michael Stipe anymore. <laughs> like, we, that was barely paying for The other thing that this band were really known for was their live shows. Uh, this, there's a particular show in 86 in New York City where just a few of the things that you can name that happened at this show included cockroach confetti, fake blood, <laughs> fuck, wearing dresses... Tearing off said dresses, mm-hmm. wiffle bats filled with urine, and live sex acts. I think they I really fucking wild. Act. Yeah, I think yeah. I really like this band, but from the distance of like Wikipedia, yeah, the, <laughs> academically like yeah, it. Butthole yeah, surfers yeah. is maybe the right place to go. There are blogs upon blogs of people just talking about butthole surfers gigs, like saying of like, uh, you know, what forum questions like, what have you seen at a butthole surfers gig, and just wildness. And by this stage, you have to go like, well, how much of this is actually fabricated, and how much isn't? Doesn't matter. That's part of their legend. Mm. That's part of who this band is. Which brings us to the song, which I think 
is a bit of Jam City. Like it's oh it's, yeah, this is a van but... parked out the front of Jam City, <laughs> <laughs> saying Jam City despite the hype. <laughs> like, uh, and like they play with just the right kind of tone of psychedelica in this as well. Like it's really playfully done. Like the way too lethargic way the chorus starts, and then it's just like powerfully lethargic from every other chorus (laughs) further on from that like it's all done with a wink it's still really clever it's still super catchy super like like, that guitar turn is like it's 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 so cool it's so shoegazy yeah 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 yeah. it is it really is well they Um, sort of like you know between 81 and this point sort of moved around a lot between like psychedelic and 80s hardcore punk yeah yeah and then like all over all yeah. over the place. And you can kind of see a bit of, like, slacker rock coming in here as well. Yeah. Like, and, and the songs after this are a bit more slacker punk. No song really sounds like this. And it's, when, and it's such a 90s song. It's such a perfect, like, Triple J 90s core song. Such a tr- such a perfect, like... So J in the 90s. So eh? J yeah. in the 90s. Yeah. And it's, it's perfect to be in the top 10 of the 1996 countdown. This is exactly where this kind of song is going to be found and where it belongs. I am. Um, when, when, when this song started, like, that... They, they had that riff, I'm like, oh, that, like, oh, that's that riff. And then, like, the verse came in, and it was, like, vaguely like, tickling my nostalgia bell. I'm like, what's yep. this song? What's this I'm song? With you. I had the same thing. And, and then, then, when the, then when I the don't chorus, mind the sun sometimes. When that kicked in, like, maybe yeah. the most oh I've ever been washed over with nostalgia in my entire life. I, wow. haven't, I haven't heard this song for 15 years at least. And I remember, like, I, I, there was no way I was ever going to come across this. I'm, no. not, I'm not looking at Butthole Service Discogs. It doesn't, like, the song Pepper, obviously the name doesn't ring a bell. No. And just, like, I just sank into the chair when this was on. I, like, I just do it, like, three times back to back. I couldn't yeah. get over it. It's just, like, like I, I adored this song so much as a child. I loved it. Whenever it came on the radio, always when my parents turned it up, it is so beyond me to talk about this song because it was just... I loved it so dearly as a kid. I haven't heard it in 15 years. I like I, I I'm not being like no no over no. the top here. No. I nearly cried when I heard it. I, oh, I, shit. I, I I haven't felt this kind of triggering emotional response to a song I haven't heard in a long time in fucking years. Yes, it, it blew me away. This is a reunion much. episode. This is beautiful. Amazing, yeah. amazing song. Amazing song. Yes. Oh my god. Absolutely. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Absolute awesome fucking jam of a song like, you know every word I do yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't test me I will I will yeah, recite yeah. the whole worth mentioning the, this is you know we've talked about four chord songs we've talked about songs with three chords this song has one chord love the one chord jam it's G yeah that is it for the whole song everything it's just it's just fucking it's G it's just G yeah because oh, all, 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 all G fam yeah it's all G fam yeah like and, and the verse there's there's just drums and Wind, yeah. <laughs> so that's about wow, it. Wow, wow. Pretty incredible when you think about it. That's really, that's really cool. Yeah, I really. Well, you love can tell that. it's a simple song. Like, yeah, you get, yeah, you yeah. Get a sense of that. But I it's, love that but side the of the composition choices. in particular. Like, yeah. I think it's really, really cool. But um, one of the songs from the Hottest 100 CD that I had on repeat. Yeah, this song's awesome. I'm gonna go die a natural death. Caught a nasty virus. <laughs> Too much pepper. Ring at number three, it is Ben Fault Five with Underground. Underground. Was never cool in school. I'm sure you don't remember me. And now it's been ten years. I'm still wondering who to be. And I'd love to mix 
Clicks and circles, clicks and social coteries, that's me. Hand me my nose ring, we be happy. Show me the mosh pit, we be Hi Ben. Hey mate, what's up? Uh, a guy that would go on to be in the hottest 100 on and off for the next two decades or so. And Australia's just as recent it. as recently as 2012, I believe. Ben Folds has been in the hottest oh, 100. Yeah. Does he have a house here? Uh, he, he did. did. Yeah. He, he used to live in Adelaide and then he got a divorce, which is a thing that Ben Folds likes to do. Divorce from Adelaide. <laughs> mm. Loves it. Just loves getting divorced. Well, he's had four, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, There's things I love that I haven't done enough. four times. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ben Folds, Ben Folds 5, iconic pop, power pop, piano rock, like some of the greatest shit to ever happen to their goddamn universe. Like I'm such a Ben Folds 5 nerd and Ben Folds nerd. By extension, Nathan? Hello. I was never cool in school. Neither was I. I'm I'm sure you don't remember me, but I'm sure you do remember this song. I do, 100%. So this is the second single from the self-titled... Debut album. Yes. I love this song so much. Yeah. How could you not? Like, yeah. It's like the moment like I remembered that it was in the Hottest 100 and it was at the top of this countdown, I was just so happy. And honestly, since then, I've been on like a on again, off again, Ben Folds hey, thing like the whole time. Thing. It's just like it's this song thing. is so wonderful. It does this incredible like cabaret version of... Of the story of getting into all the music that's popular at this point in time, like talking about, you know, all this alt rap rock, slacker rock, <laughs> punk, this thing, this very real thing that, like, you know, pro- I, not to speak for everyone in the room, but we've kind of all experienced of yeah, like fucking yeah. finding community and a sense of place in music and particularly in alternative music. Yeah. And then it flips it on its head by making it a cabaret song. Yeah. And doing it, like, so impeccably well. Like, all of the backing vocals. The fact that, like, the chorus is all sung in falsetto and everything. It's just yeah, it's yeah, yeah. beautiful. There's a heavy, like, you know, appropriate sense of irony and, like, self-deprecation in it. And all the, like, there was a girl who passed me by. She gave a smile, but I was shy and I looked down. It's so just kind down. of, like... I mean, like, the wiki article for it says, um, the song is about geeks and social outcasts looking for solacing numbers in underground music and art scenes. And yeah, it is about that, but it's missing the fact that the song is so fucking steeped in, like, making fun of that as well. Yeah. And it's like, hand yeah. me my nose yeah. ring. Yeah. Like, show dude, me the mosh pit. Show me the mosh pit. <laughs> like, it's so, like, it's, it's slamming the pit fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it, officer, officer Friendly's little boy. <laughs> I love that the intro... 
like plays out like a musical. Wizard of Oz reference. Yeah. Click my heels and I'm there. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. To have all three of them singing is really, really cool as well. Five. <laughs> All five, three of them. Wait a minute. Of the ben Wait, a five. Wait a minute. I, I love that one time, um, like it was like some dumb inane radio interview. It's just like, so you called, so you called Ben Folds five. There, there's, a, there's actually three of you. It's just like, why do you think that a trio isn't isn't five people? <laughs> Oh shit! I, I've screwed this one up big time. I'm gonna have to go to the label. <laughs> that is the appropriate way yeah. to respond to that. His sur- his surname is Foldsby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought when I, when I was growing up, I thought the band name was like Ben Folds Five. I was just like, oh, what is he folding? Yeah, like, it's, it's, no, it's like when you get the the, um, the Australian five dollar note, and it's like you make it into the whale giving the blowy. Yeah, yes, ben that's five. what it's referring yeah, to. That's nice. how he does it. Yeah, nice. genius. Whale giving the blowy was not a great name for a band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd say Prove me wrong, children. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually wrong. one of Butthole Surface alternative <laughs> yeah, names. <probably. laughs> yes, definitely. But there's still, I think there's a real sense of heart in the song. Like, and even though it is very much making light of all this, it's still like it's something that obviously they connect to, and it's something that like a lot of music people connect to. Like, yeah. it's a real thing. He's gone on record and talked a few times about how the song is also about how all those you know, really alternative underground communities are just still the same circles as everyone else. And that's fine. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're just yeah, finding sure. the circle that you want to be in. Yeah. It's just so fun. Yeah, it's it does, loads of fun. It does so much of what I talked about um, when we were talking about Weezer as well with, yeah. with our Scorch show, all those little moments. Like, <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are so many moments in the song that are just fun to do. Like the ba-ba right yeah, at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like everything in it. It's just like a wonderful song to like dive into and be a part of. Yeah, it really showcases the fucking excellence of all three of them as singers and as musicians. That fuzzy bass at the end, so good. That mixed with Ben always goes for the low end of the piano. He goes down to the end where you you can barely hear it. You get the nice little jazzy bit right at the end of the song where you're like, he is a very good pianist. At the end he's like, I'm going to show off that I actually know how to play the piano. So this song is just a jaunt. It's a jaunty walk with your mates. Amazing, like super funky drums, and then you know goes into that jazzy bit at the end as well. Like huge sounding drums, uh, huge sounding bass, and like having the harm, like Robert and, and and Darren like harmonizing as well is just really cool. And then having Ben go over the top of that, like everything is heavy. It's, it's industrial. Like they, it is kind of like the Dirty Three, where the three of them know exactly how the others work, and mm. like no, like when they're in a room. You can't beat it. To get to have seen Ben Folds 5, like, was it like a literal childhood dream? I met Ben Folds after that show, and he, he used to say, I saw you, man. I was just like, what? And he goes, so, you know, I only get to look out of the crowd every now and then, but I looked out during underground, and I look out to the front row, and there you are just screaming, everything's ever! <laughs> I was just like, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. I was just like, oh, I've been waiting to see this since I was like eight years old. I was just like, oh my God, I hope it was worth the wait, man. Yeah. <laughs> just, just super chilled, you know, just like. Of course they were, is. Yeah. yeah. Perfect song. One of my favorite bands of all time. One of my favorite songs ever. Like, I know I say that a lot, but like, I genuinely fucking mean it because yeah. fuck it. We're up here. We're up here in the hottest, hottest, hottest end. There are only two songs hotter. What could they be? <laughs> At number two. I'm not the enemy here. Fights <laughs> itself. You are Get all it? thinking it. Get it? I am not an animal. This is Tool with Stink Mist. 
coming in at second place. I'm not doing that again. That's fine. <laughs> Thank you. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> the artist is tall. The song is Stink Fist. And the tall fan in question is Adam Buncher. But I'm not the star here, Deej. That is clearly one David GDMF. Jay <laughs> Young. Because, is that right? Because, no, because no, no. <laughs> show, you, show you working. Because this whole season, this whole season, I thought you were just being lewd, crude, socially unattractive, <laughs> I mean, constantly bringing up fisting in the unisex, yeah. apropos of nothing. And here we are. Here and we are. yet, hiding in plain sight. <laughs> All the way up the top of the countdown is this. This is what you've been. This is what you've been foreshadowing. You've been foreshadowing. This is just like that movie Signs. It is exactly. Mm. Yes. <laughs> it is exactly like the movie. Gotcha. Signs. I was M Night Shyamalan all along. What a twist! <laughs> this. This is what you intended, wasn't it, Deej? Yes. Yes. <laughs> well done. Well played, sir. Played us all like the fiddle I can't hear. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, as we've mentioned, the song is called Stink Fist, and this is a song about fisting. But, it's not just a song about fisting, it's also... <laughs> that was the alternative title for Operator, please. It's just a song about fisting! Those high school kids shouldn't know about that. <laughs> but it's also about desensitization, being just numbed out to things. And the way that Tool are talking about that is just like, you know, being so numbed out to, to pleasure, basically, that fisting becomes the thing that's necessary to wake you up. As they say in the chorus, I don't want it, I just need it to feel that I'm alive. Mm. It's a vulgar allegory to draw, and it's a vulgar metaphor to draw upon, yeah. and, you know, rather vulgar image yeah, or whatever. Definitely. But that's kind of Tool's thing as well. Oh, they, yeah. They've always had a thing with high and low. Even, like, the name of the album being Onoma, that they arrived at by being a combination. That if you look at the, the way the, the name of it is spelled, it's the A-E symbol, mm. with the yes. two joined, being one of the words being enema, one of the words being anima, which is, a, I believe, Latin for soul. Combine the two and it becomes the cleansing of the soul, right? You know what I right. mean? Which is a high idea, but at the same time, this is a band called tool this high and low thread i think is one of the most fascinating things about the band in general and i think it plays into the 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 community that is you know like such an such a fucking interesting fan community to look at it is cult-like it is cult-like it is 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 a cult-like following you people will pour over the lyrics pour over yeah the the track listings i mean are interpreted as clues like yeah it's not just information it's a puzzle to solve there's something in this music that makes a person think or makes people think en masse it can't just be this. It must be more, you know? And it makes them say things like, you know, oh, did you know that there's a Fibonacci number sequence here? Oh, did you know that Danny Carey arranges his drum kit in a satanic symbol? Oh, did you know, like... And all these things upon things that they... The the meaning that they layer on because there's just something in the music that implies, I think, that it is so much bigger than what it exactly is. And it's through all their imagery as well, like, you know, like film clips and whatever, just alluding to to spiritual ideas um, through their music as they do sometimes. But at the same time, the movement that the band is making is to downplay that. They have this thing in in one of the the sleeve notes for, I think it was for Anima, either the, the original or the reissue, where they were talking about how if you believe in anything... You, you, you're basically senseless. 
like mm. belief is the killer of you know of 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 logic and of, and of insight and of being alive. <laughs> yeah. But that's what they want. They want people to not be slaves to any kind of system of belief. So they and including themselves. You know that punk thing where it's like question everything, including mm. us. Yes. I think that's at play with Tool. I had this theory a little while ago that the only reason that Tool named themselves Tool is so they could print merchandise <laughs> and have people walk around <laughs> with a shirt that said Tool on it. And this is kind of like, cool, you've made yourself a fanatic of this band and that's how we're going to treat you because you're an idiot because you should not like anything that much. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I don't know whether that's certain either, but I like that as an idea because I think that communicates something about the band. But how then do you again, think of this song itself? I, I think this song is incredible. Like, that fucking riff. Yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's, yeah, it's Riff it's, City. It's, and, it's, as I, yeah. and I say, I choose those words kind of deliberately because that riff fucks. That riff, man, that riff fucks. <laughs> and, and like, to me, the piece of resistance in the whole song is that incredible crescendo right at the, uh, right after the chorus. Like... It's way too easy to draw an orgasm comparison, but it kind of, it's there. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's, it's all about the second half of the song. It's such a huge release. It's just massive, and it sounds so good. The way that it just drops into it, like it's, I had not heard this song in a while, but in listening to this again, like I was, my breath was taken away by that moment. It's absolutely wonderful. Like each member of the band has made such clear sonic choices, and they're all so distinctive. Like the way, the way Danny Carey, kind of complicates things just a little bit in his drumming is really wonderful i don't know any bassist who sounds like justin chancellor he's got such a it's and that communicates such a huge amount in this song in particular because it's such a bass driven heavy riff totally. but also just throughout <clears throat> tool sound in general and then you've got adam jones on the guitar and and maynard who's bringing like a beauty yeah he's he's a beautiful mm. singer and yet that's kind of goes against this you know, like music that's influenced by grunge and influenced by metal and neither, sitting in neither world properly, which is interesting in itself. Like, I think this is the first time I've really considered tool sound in context. Mm. And it's pretty interesting. It's reminded me basically of why it was I was attracted to tool and was so passionate about them earlier on in my life in the first place. And since kind of coming here, I've gone and listened to a bunch of their albums again and just been like, man, yeah, cool. They are a remarkable band, particularly in these, like on this record and the follow-up record. It is all about the second half of this song. First half, I'm like, ah, this is a groover. I get this. And then the second half is just an explosion. Like it just so hectically fun and just like everything like the different pieces that move in around and like it feels like there's a waveform passing back and forth because there's just so many different moving parts in the second half of the song Mm. that like it is just it's it's just remarkable it's a remarkable Mm. piece of music like it's just as much as we did talk about like the like comparison between like the disgust of the high uh, and the highbrow kind of thing like that that just makes it a little bit more enjoyable as well it's the fact that they do put the work into this song lyrically and conceptually but not just musically i am not like a tool aficionado but i can understand like hearing this it's like of course they have a devoted fan base if you're into heavier music how could you not love this song 100 percent. you don't realize the influence of that approach that maynard has to vocals until you I don't know, go to the bald face stag on a Thursday night and see so many fucking bands try to sound like him, eh? Like That's true. so many You see all these bands that, you know, have grown up listening to records like this and learnt that, you know, that there is, you know, a way to channel very gentle and very melodic vocals through what can be very intense and very coarse music. They've been able to do that by not even doing like heaps and heaps of Stuff like they have four fucking records. 
Like, that is absolute insanity. Anytime there's even a mumble, it's just like, oh, Justin might have, like, played one bass note towards a new Tool record, and everyone's just like, oh, my fucking God! (laughs) It's been 11 years since the last Tool record, and people are still waiting every goddamn day. And I think that, you know, it it again goes back to how big Tool made themselves in terms of the ideas that they played with. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I think that's probably, like, arguably another way that they, like, I think Tool can be influential simply from that point of view, like, because they... yeah. And, and the proof is in the fan base, like mm. the way that they made themselves so much bigger than a band. Whatever it is that, that some bands manage to do, that Tool managed to do, mm. where you draw in enough other stuff to ascend beyond just a bunch of guys on stage. Mm. Yeah. Your so, music stands for something more. Yeah, totally, totally. So as far as this song's concerned, I remember hearing it for the first time and just being really kind of excited about the idea of this music. Like... I kind of retroactively got into them after really getting into a perfect circle. And then ah, I was just, okay. I remember Rage one night was just like, we're doing a Tool and Perfect Circle special. I'm just like, oh, cool. Did they like tour together or something? <laughs> and, and then I was like, <laughs> wait. wait a second. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, uh, that was a very early realization. It's just like, oh, a person can be in more than one band. <laughs> That's great. Right? That's beautiful. <laughs> just imagine you seeing that like at the end of Planet of the Apes when it's the Statue yeah. of Liberty. But that's, oh my God. You <laughs> What I love about this song, and like I'm, I'm not a big tool guy. I, I enjoyed listening to you know those three and ten. You're not Tim the Toolman Taylor. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) But this song doesn't. It doesn't at any point try and tell me that it's a heavy song. It just is a heavy song. Mm. There's something about. But there's also I think there's a really like there's a trance element to this. It's seductive, and you can sort of find a way into this this rhythm not through the heaviness that like yeah i know i i, I, I get you you can really Defin- just kind of lose yourself in that that tempo and wave the way it's, it's totally the, waves it has, yeah. it, it's, it's got a really clear movement and really clear i think the repetition is super important yeah those elements of the song really get me and mm. and i i really like that yeah cool hang on a sec was that play it again let it run After all this time! 400 songs. 400 goddamn songs. Ladies and gentlemen, the number one song of 1996 is Buy Me a Pony by Spiderbait. Don't you want to be a personality, an ocean in the sea, but you'll never In the 1996 Hottest 100 with Buy Me a Pony. Give it up. Ew. Give it up. First Australian band 
to ever hit the number one position. But also, one of the best fucking songs of the 90s. Get in, get out, get that shit done. I remember reading Hi-Fi Days, the uh, very incredible book by Craig Matheson about Australian rock in the 90s that followed, like, UMI, Silverchair, and Spiderbait in particular, um, kind of focused in on their careers in particular. And Janet was kind of talking about how she was obsessed with Sugar Rush, super fast, super tight songs. It's just like, no, nah, fuck another chorus. Just go, just go. If we can get it down to, like, a minute... Fucking perfect. Let's go. <laughs> and I love that. There is nothing in this song that does not need to be in this song. It has trimmed all the fat. It fucking charges at you. It fucking blows your brains and then it is gone. It's just a fucking start to finish mosh pit. It is awesome. You can see why they were kind of, I don't know, like maybe they were maybe they were underdogs at the point and it was just like, oh, you know, like people love this song, but will they get around it? They got around it. They got around it real fucking hard. (laughs) And this was like eight years before they had their big actual commercial hit with Black Betty as well, which would also make it into the top 10 of the the hottest 100. People in my grade would just say, oh my God, this band's so cool. What's their story? And I was like... Strap in. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna take you down to Finley Town. I'm gonna play you a bit of Ivy. Let me tell you about the bait. Spider Bait are one of. In my opinion, the best bands that this country has ever produced. I love them. I always have. I always will. I've been listening to them literally since I was a kid. Like I've said in the past, I can remember running around fucking... Might have been like a Toys R Us or Uncle Pete's or something like that with a giant bag of Smarties listening to Stevie. They're they're, uh, underrated single from 1999. Yeah, I've gotten to see them a few times and every time it's just like, God damn, what a fucking... We don't deserve this band, hey? God damn, that is a pure memory and that is a pure expression of spider bait. They are a young kid on a sugar rough going hectic in a toy store. This song... like, Oh yeah, especially this song. Yeah. (laughs) Like, shaking my damn head. You remember those competitions? Like, Cheese TV used to do where it's just like you get to go to fucking Johnny's t- toy fuck or whatever and like <laughs> can, I, can, can I not? I, I, ideally I would like to not go to there <laughs> <laughs> Go to a toy store with that fucking page of a newspaper is like Johnny's toy fuck shut down <laughs> owner like didn't see it coming at all But yeah like Jade and Ryan would just be like you get like 90 seconds to run through and grab every fucking thing that you want like you can just imagine fucking da, 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 and fucking kid just fucking pulling shit off the shelves you get so wow. many of the same biker mouse from oh, <laughs> worth it worth it I will take 95 street sharks <laughs> yeah. just fucking oh yes yes oh man give me all those dodgy rebooted yeah. Thunderbirds and get them in yeah. my trolley where's our dodgy street sharks reboot or our yeah. gritty Christopher Nolan street yeah. Sharks reboot. Give me all the Austin Powers masks. I would pay foolish money to see a gritty Street Sharks reboot. Oh, oh my yes. god, that, that would that, be huge. This would be my if I was George Harrison funding the <laughs> Python movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man. I'm sorry I had to pull no, no, back to Johnny's pure. toy fuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like this, like, if you don't like this song, you're listening to the wrong podcast. Because this is like how can also, you not love dickhead. it? How no, can stay, you not stay, love stay, it? Please stay. We need the we, we need the listeners. Like this is like this is just 100 perfect seconds. Like the mean guitar tone, the cram groove drumming, like his vox, obviously, like it all just rules. Like it is, 
this is so perfect a winner. It's fun. It's Australian. It's perfectly aligned with the Triple J ethos of like a middle finger to the major labels. It acknowledges the pleasure that comes with pop rock music. It's ideal for being here. There might be songs that we all prefer as people, as individuals, but you cannot complain about this being number one. This is a number one of the Hot 100 song straight up. This is pure number one Hot 100. Imagine yeah. the barbecues. Like imagine being at the barbecue and I think you'd have like a, you'd have a feeling because, you know, we're getting further and further into the countdown. Yeah, You're yeah, like, yeah. haven't you like, me a pony Either yet. they've gotten up here or they're not getting in at all. Yeah, yeah. Which would be, what an injustice. Yeah, and then yeah, it yeah. comes on. It comes on after tour. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like a hundred seconds of everything in this barbecue is like the happiest yep. it could possibly be. In much the same way that we talked about Wonderwall, it's like, of course that was going to be number one. And like, it, There's nothing about this song, I think, inherently, when you look at it, as a song just to listen to amongst every other song in the year, not ranked, not placed amongst each other and, you know, told to fight it out in a cage fight. <laughs> just on its own, you don't look at that and go like, that's a number one of a countdown. But it, when it's up there, you're like, of course it's a number one of, of a countdown. Whereas I think like Tool, for example, you go like, that could well be because it's just, it's you know, the craft is there and it's also, it just, it just seems like more <laughs> of a number one of a countdown song. But like... The fact that this is the number one of the countdown is super, super special. Like, you have to learn to appreciate short songs in much the same way as you have to learn to appreciate really long songs. Like, we're all trained to, I think, instinctively, just through the way that we go about music most of the time, unless we, you know, like, punk is like the first thing you ever listen to, to just go like, well, you know, three minutes feels about right. Mm. I, I know that for me, like... When I started listening to bands that produce short songs, I really... That was a hurdle I had to get across. I had to, I had to really kind of go like, I have to train myself to not want more of that, but to just listen to that again. I think it's really fascinating that this got to number one. Like, I think, in, in a way, because there are, there are things about it that it could easily not have been. But that would be <laughs> yeah. less perfect. Yeah. Many of the number ones we've had, particularly uh, the very first year with Arsehole beating Creep. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. 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 It's this coming in it's at number the... one just like it reflects so wonderfully on the community involved in voting for the yeah. Triple J Hottest 100 at this point in time. It reflects so uh-huh. well on Australian music and that a music countdown can reflect more than just what songs are popular, but it can reflect like an identity and, mm. and a cultural landscape and attitude it's just so crisp everything about this is just so perfectly taut and oh like right from the first guitar and then the drums come in and then yeah you're just you're running down the the lego aisle tipping as many boxes into the trolley as you possibly can before time runs out with jade and ryan just being like go 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 this to me like is an apex of a band's mission and craft to be able to produce something like this so props to spider bait as well for stepping up as a band like yeah i mean it's, it's great just... to see a band arrive and arrive in such a way that it gets them to number one of the hottest 100 and they do mm. it's just such clarity of idea in a yeah. song of, of yeah. what this kind of pop rock music can do yep it's absolute yep. perfect in form it's so close to what it is as a concept it's it's just the best this is the best it's the best it's the best yeah. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands and the end of season four! Yeah. Woo! Yeah! That was a real, like, steamer. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I cheer now. <laughs> Before we get out of here for another season, we're going to pick our favourites and our least favourites 
from the entire top ten. <gasps> so, for least favorite, I'm thinking maybe you're gorgeous. Yeah, uh, uh, it yeah. might like it's still an okay song, but yeah, like. When you see everything else on offer here, it's just like, like you, you should not be there. You should have swapped around. <laughs> should have swapped with someone else, hey? And my favorite song from this top 10 was Underground by Ben Folds 5 because it's Underground by Ben Folds fucking 5. Someone's going to pass you your nose ring. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't show me the mosh pit. I am the mosh pit. <laughs> Can uh, you get that on a t-shirt, please? I oh, am the mosh pit. Oh, that's so sick. It's <laughs> really good. Uh, my least favourite, I'm going to have to give it to Powderfinger. Sorry, guys. I know that it's beloved by everybody. Um, don't say sorry to me. Say sorry to Baby Bernal. Mm. Uh, and <laughs> and my favourite, I have to give it to Pepper because just the moment of listening to that song was so special to me. Yeah, that's like that's the most beautiful, beautiful thing Pepper that's Pepper Rips. It's a fucking great song. Yeah, I think 10th favourite would be Your Gorgeous. And I don't know, it's a toss up between Ben Folds and Spider Bait. Um, but seeing as you gave it to, to Ben Folds, I'll, I'll give favourite to Buy Me a Pony. Least favourite to Baby Bird, favourite to Tuli Tuli Tool. Tool. I want to thank FBI Radio. FBI Radio are one of the best community radio stations in Australia, in the goddamn world, in the known universe. We uh, count ourselves incredibly, incredibly lucky to get to use this space, and uh, we really, really appreciate the support of this podcast. Please check them out at fbiradio.com. We'd like to thank the Petersham Bowling Club uh, Mm. for accommodating us and uh, helping us to put on our very first live episode, which was such a wonderful day, and uh, we want to thank the incomparable Jen Fricker and the delightful Jack Riley uh, for being a part of that. Uh, also, out. thank you to Rachel for making the fairy bread. Yeah, thank you, 100%. Thank you to everyone that downloads and subscribes and uh, sends us any sort of correspondence. Uh, we want to send out this entire season to the memories of Chris Cornell and to Chester Bennington, past and future uh, Hottest 100 alum. And yeah, to everyone that has listened and, you know, maybe gets anything out of what we do. It's the best fucking feeling in the world. We love doing this and we hope you love it as well. So, on behalf of Mr. Adam Buncher. See you season five. On behalf of Mr. Andrew McDonald. We'll see you there. And on behalf of Mr. Nathan Harrison. Bye. My name is David James Young. Everything is good for you. That's the end of season four, Alright. Cool. That's that's the end of the season. So season four episode twenty. Wait. Season four episode twenty. 420 
Smoke weed every day.